Now, what is life in the river? What does that mean? Well, I thought of, I, rather than first describe it, I thought I'd show you a couple short video clips. We have a river in the back of our, uh, back of our house, back behind another set of houses. Uh, and so I want to show you a picture of what that river looks like right now, or a short video clip. So this is what that river looks like right now. And that's very common for a river in, in August, September. But back in April, or excuse me, back in May, this is what that river looked like. Same river. This is what life in the river looks like. God desires for you to have a deep, abundant, thriving life. And all throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, there this, this image used, this reoccurring image used of a life-giving river. So today, we're going to talk about living refreshed. So back after high school, I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip to Haiti, to the island of Haiti. And this was, this was a short-term mission for just a couple weeks. And I've got a picture. This was our, our missions group. Now, yeah, now it's blurry because no one had, we had like the old point shoots back then and film and all of that. But that's me back in the tank top. This was a whole bunch of Southern Californians. And there's me all Southern California beach bumming it up in my tank top. That was our missions team. Mission team. This was back in 1989. And so here's another picture of some of the work that we did. We did a lot of work with kids. Um, and a lot of Europe, we did a lot of BBS stuff, we did some games, some activities, some teaching, and things like that. Uh, and amidst all of this, we took a break one day and went on a hike. Here's an example, here's a picture of what this, the hiking trail looked like. Now what we were told was that we'd go on this short hike, about 45 minutes, up to this beautiful, beautiful lake with a waterfall, all kinds of beautiful stuff. So we're like, all right, that sounds like a great thing to do on our kind of our day off, our Sabbath day. So we, we packed up our stuff, but we didn't bring a whole lot of stuff. Like, for instance, we didn't bring water. I know nowadays that sounds pretty silly. You're like, what? Yeah, we, did, we, we figured 45 minute walk, that there's, some, there's a fresh water stream up there. They, they said the water's safe to drink. So we're like, awesome, let's go for it. And so we just start hiking off. Well, so half out, and this is Haiti, which is tropical country, which means it is hot. It is, it is like really hot and really muggy. And so we start walking along, and, and it gets about a half hour in. We're getting a little tired, a little sweaty, and gets about 45 minutes in. No sign of water, by the way. We start getting hotter and sweatier. An hour comes by, an hour 15. It hits an hour 20. We're still walking. And the guide is like, oh yeah, just right up there. <laughs> yeah, we had heard that one before. Yeah, just right around the corner. We were exhausted. By about an hour and a half, we finally found this guy on the side of the road who was selling some coconuts. And oh my gosh, that coconut juice was delicious. So he grabbed his machete and like, choo, 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 chop off a hand while he's at it. And get, chop off the top, poke a straw in there. We're like, we're like oh, and I, 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 I. Okay. that was some delicious coconut water right there. And then we just keep on hiking because they're like, no, really, you need to go, you need to go. And so we keep hiking. This thing hits two hours, no water. That, that, that sweet coconut milk is all we have. And we start getting exhausted. 
we start getting really, really tired. We start getting discouraged. We're covered in sweat. They have mosquitoes the size of school buses down there. We feel like we should be Lord of the Rings and the Eagles might just grab onto one of the mosquitoes and have us take us there. And we start getting exhausted. People want to give up. Some people are like, no, we, we just need to keep walking. And some people started fighting because they would just get angry. You get hot and you get tired and sweaty, you get angry. And it became a pretty miserable walk. Well, you know, I think that's kind of what happens sometimes in our spiritual lives as well. We do a whole lot of walking, but we don't get a whole lot of water. And I think we react in different ways to that. And I don't know how you react to being kind of spiritually tired. I don't know how you react. Maybe you get discouraged. You know you're supposed to keep coming to church, and you keep coming to church, and you keep helping out when they ask, but you're just tired, and you're discouraged. Some of you want to give up. When you feel spiritually tired, you just want to give up. Say, I'm done with church. I'm out. And you walk away. Sometimes, I don't know how you get when you get spiritually dry. Maybe you decide, I just have to keep doing it. If I keep doing the things, if I keep walking, if I keep helping out with the youth, if I keep going to that JNCJ, then it'll eventually come back. I'll eventually get refreshed. And you just decide to keep walking and keep, but the refreshment never comes. But what is it like feeling spiritually dry? Are you feeling a little spiritually dry these days? Are you feeling thirsty for something more than just coming to church each week? Maybe you're on the verge of giving up. Maybe you were giving up and then you heard about this thing called River Life, saw it on Facebook, and you thought you'd give it one more shot. Maybe you are one more step away from washing your hands entirely of God and church, and you're done. I don't know how you're feeling, but I'm willing to bet there are a lot of us in here who are feeling spiritually worn out. And if you're feeling that way, I've got good news. We aren't the only people in the history of the world to, to feel spiritually worn out. And thankfully, the Bible is filled with stories of people who are spiritually dry and tired and discouraged. And we're going to look at just one little passage out of one little story on that today. And it's about the Israelites. Now, it's out of the Old Testament, so let me give you a little bit of context. For This is the book of Ezekiel that we're going to be talking about. Okay, So the Israelites were in trouble. God had, had already placed judgment upon them for their sins, for, for denying God, walking away from God, rebelling against God. And God had placed his judgment upon them to let a, a neighboring um, people group come and conquer the Israelites. And that was just about to happen. It, they had already gotten overrun, and some people had been taken into slavery, taken into captivity already. Not all the people, just a few. 
And the Israelites were in trouble. The Israelites were discouraged. Because now this God that they had that was a part of their world had left them for a time and told them, here's the consequences of your behaviors. I will let another country, uh, Babylon, take you over. So the Israelites were in trouble. And a lot of the prophet books, the prophet books, those are the ones Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Obadiah, any book, if you open up the book and you, you find some name you can't pronounce, it's probably a prophet. <laughs> and so Ezekiel was one of these prophets. And he was born into this world of spiritual discouragement and dryness and spiritual deadness. And he grew up watching this, watching the Israel just gets trounced by their enemies. And, and he wrote this book called the book of Ezekiel. And I'll give you a little clue on the prophet books. Many of them follow a very common pattern. The first section is judgments against Israel. And so there's a section that gives judgments against Israel. It's kind of like the court judge reading off, these are are what you're accused of, and here's what's going to happen. Then there's usually a section that's judgments against the nations around Israel. But then, after like, 40 chapters of really depressing stuff, then there's the ending section, where God gives visions of hope and restoration to the nation of Israel. And these are some of the most powerful visions of hope and restoration in the entire Bible. These are found in the prophet books. In fact, the book of Ezekiel alone has some amazing passages. If you've been around church, you might have heard a sermon or a reference to that Jesus called himself the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. He was quoting Ezekiel because Ezekiel had a passage that talked about that. He said, hey, all you bad shepherds of Israel, you guys are bad. You guys are selfish shepherds. But one day I'm going to send you a good shepherd. One day I'm going to send you a true shepherd. And about 600 years later, he did. He sent Jesus as the good shepherd. So Jesus quoted Ezekiel. If you're here at the beginning of service and watch a cool video of Chris Tomlin and Lecrae, uh, that that song, Awake My Soul, Chris Tomlin and Lecrae are quoting Ezekiel. There's a passage in this this last section of the prophet book where where, uh, God gives Ezekiel this vision of a valley of dry bones that God brings back to life. And he brings back, he puts tendon on the bones and put muscles and flesh and tells Ezekiel, Ezekiel, breathe. And these dry, dead bones come back to life. It's an amazing vision. It's actually in a lot of songs. Now that you know that, listen for it. You'll hear it in a ton of songs. But especially that one actually, that Chris Tomlin, Awake My Soul, is one of my favorites. It also has the crit, so how can you go wrong? <laughs> There's one more vision. There's one more vision that we see in the book of Ezekiel, and it's this vision of a river. And it's in in chapter 47, and it's this river that comes out of the temple of the Lord. And then some pretty amazing things happen. That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at chapter 47 of Ezekiel. Now, let me give you a little bit of background before we hit the passage. So Ezekiel was a priest. 
He was born into a priestly family. He had a priestly lineage. And he was a priest. He was born as a prisoner in Babylon. So he never knew his homeland. Okay? He was born over here in Babylon when they were held captive as slaves and prisoners. And he grew up along this place called the Kabar River, another river. And then one day at this river, God gave him a vision. So he wrote a whole lot. There's a whole lot in the book of, of, of the condemnation against the nations. Um, Jerusalem was taken over. That be, that, that's like Independence Day. The aliens come down and destroy the White House, Washington, D.C. That's what it was like when Jerusalem got destroyed. Um, and so is, or Ezekiel wrote about this. And one of the things, one of the visions that God gave him was this, this angelic, I kind of call him an angelic tour guide, took Israel in a vision and took him to different places and allowed him to see these things, this vision of his homeland. Right? He never really left, but it was this vision that God gave him. And that's where we see one of the visions that happened there was this vision of the river, this life-giving river. It's Ezekiel 47, uh, verses 1 through 12. The man, that's the angelic tour guide, brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate, and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. Okay, we'll kind of pause there. That's a whole lot of directions, and that's okay. <laughs> if you feel like you need a little GPS right now, that's fine, okay? But, but listen to this. The key idea here is the water was trickling from the south side, okay? Got that? Let's read on. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. Okay, we have to pause there. Okay? I don't know about you, but I don't go around measuring things in cubits. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm about five cubit two. Yeah, no, okay, we just don't do that. But so to give you an idea, a, a thousand cubits is about a quarter mile. Okay, so he, he went out about a quarter mile. He measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through anchor water that was ankle deep. Huh, okay. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. Okay. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to my waist. He measured off another thousand. And now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross and I went and got my jet ski from the cabin. <laughs> and then he asked, Son of man, do you see this? Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me to the bank of the river. He led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Hmm, that should be a little bit of a head-scratcher. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. 
There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to En Geliam. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on banks of the rivers, on both banks of the rivers. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. So those 12 verses are kind of divided up into three sections. That first section, all the navigational stuff, that kind of described the source of the river. It was the, it was the origin of the river. Now that middle paragraph was sort of a description of the river. That was, it was, it was a trickle, it was ankle deep, it was knee deep, it was waist deep, tongue deep, I made the suit. And that was that middle section. And then the last section was the effect or the impact of the river. That's where we had trees and fish and fishermen, fruit and all of that. So now as you heard and read that, hopefully a few things sounded rather unusual there because that was not just a normal river. That was actually a miraculous river. Did, did you catch that? That was a miraculous river. Here's, here are a few things about it. First, it started as a trickle and ended up the deep end of the pool. I, now, I'm not a river genius, but last time I checked, rivers don't get deeper the farther away, away they go. Okay? Unless they have more rivers coming into it, rivers don't get deeper. They get shallower. So here's this, this, this amazing, miraculous river that got deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Okay, what else? There was a great number of trees. Okay? We live in Minnesota. We are surrounded by a great number of trees. But Minnesota is not Jerusalem. Here's a picture of what Jerusalem looks like. That's what the area south of Jerusalem looks like. That's very close to the Dead Sea. My wife and I actually had the pleasure of going out to Israel this past year. Uh, and so this is, this is my own picture. This is something off the internet. And there's us. You can actually see a little bit. Um, that's the Dead Sea in the background. But you can see, this is dirt and rock. There are no areas where great numbers of trees bloom. That doesn't happen in this land, except with God's life-giving river. The next one, the Dead Sea becomes salty. Now, if you know anything about the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea has a very high salt content. In fact, it is 35%. It has a salinity or a salt rate of 35%. If you've ever been in ocean water, that's 3%. In fact, it is so salty, one, it actually burns your eyes. Trust me, it does. Okay? The other thing it does is it actually allows you to float really, really high. So here's me chilling in the Dead Sea. Now, if you know water, you, we don't float like that in water. But because the salt content is so high, you're actually super buoyant. The, the Dead Sea is not fresh water. It is miserable, salty water. And through this life-giving river, it becomes fresh. 
Now, you don't need to be a water genius to understand this. Okay? Take, a, take a little glass of water, put a little salt, it's now salt water forever. <laughs> you don't unsalt water unless you have a very expensive desalination plant. Okay? You don't unsalt water, but God does. Okay? Also, swarms of living creatures. See, the thing about the Dead Sea is it has such a high salt content, nothing lives in the Dead Sea. Literally, the only thing they have living in the Dead Sea are microscopic organisms, like bacteria. That's all that can survive there. Everything else dies. But in the river of God, can bring life to a dead lake. And then lastly, fruit, fruit trees. And I'm a city boy, I'm not a country boy. You guys are probably like, you guys have duck farmers market, you guys help your parents out in the garden and stuff. That's, I'm still amazed that you can put seeds in the ground and food comes out. That's still an amazing thing to me. Okay? But, but, but fruit trees, last time I checked, fruit trees don't bloom every month. But these ones do. Our fruit trees give fruit for a season. Not God's fruit trees. With this miraculous river of life, God's fruit trees give fruit year-round. All right, man. Fuji apples, year-round. Fresh mangoes, year-round. That's, that's what I'm talking about. This is a miraculous river. And that leads to the first big idea of this passage. God refreshes miraculously. God refreshes miraculously. So if you're feeling like you need a little refreshment... A little, a little bit of that life in the river, first thing to keep in mind, God refreshes miraculously. But that's not the end of the story. And that's not the only thing we see in this passage. Because what God refreshes, he wants to use to bless. What God refreshes, he wants to use to bless. So look at the Dead Sea. It becomes this fisherman's paradise. Not just for the Dead Sea, but you know what? The Dead Sea blesses fishermen. No one fishes in the Dead Sea. But imagine, it's, it's like white bass mating season. You ever been fishing in that? I've been fishing in that once, man. We were like casting and pulling, casting and pulling, casting and pulling. It was incredible. I've never seen something like that before. Take your best fishing day. That is crumb cakes compared to the fishies, fisherman's paradise that God created in what was previously a dead body of water. That water God used to bless the industry of that land. Also the trees. One of my favorite lines here is that the trees, the, the fruit is good for food and the leaves are good for healing. God didn't just create a bunch of trees. He said, okay trees, now bless the people. Bless the people with food, Bless the people with medicine. And so what God refreshes, he wants to use to bless. The Dead Sea was blessed fishermen. The refreshed, refreshed land blessed people. So that gives the second half of the big idea out of this passage. That God refreshes miraculously, but we bless practically. God refreshes miraculously, but we bless practically. Remember the Haiti hike that I went on? 
Actually, didn't tell the whole story. There's a little bit more to that story. We finally did hit the lake. After almost three hours of hiking, we came to this lake. We immediately jumped in, closed it all, like the whole group of us. It was amazing. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. There was a waterfall, just like they promised. And I remember going under that waterfall, and I opened my mouth, and I was like drinking out of the waterfall. And I could have sworn if my mouth were, were big enough, I think I could have drank a whole waterfall. And it just kept coming, and it was so refreshing. It literally brought life back to this exhausted body. And I still remember 25 years later what it feels like to be refreshed. And that's the promise of what life in the river looks like. Imagine being refreshed with this poor gushing of, of water, of living water from God that refreshes you down to your very soul. That's what that lake was like with me. That's what that waterfall was like for all of us who were tired. So for those of you who are tired, kind of know a lot of you are. I have a lot of conversations with folks who are tired. I'm tired of working and doing church. It's time to stand under that waterfall of God. Open up your mouth and just... And take it all in. What would that look like if we did that? What would that look like if we, as a church family, as a River Life family, what do you think it would look like if we lived refreshed? Well, I want to, I want to paint four pictures for you. Four pictures. Now, make that three pictures, okay? First, what would it look like in our relationship with God? If we were, imagine us so refreshed, we overflowed. I think so many of the times we give out of emptiness. Imagine giving out of abundance and overflowing. Okay? With God, I think one thing we would see is that we're growing. Look back on the last year. For, the, for those who kind of claim Christ, if, if you say, I'm a Christ follower, I, I, that I'm a Christian, I, look at the last year. Have you grown? Have you grown in your faith? Have you grown in your knowledge of God? Have you grown in your obedience to God? Have you grown in your relationships? When you're, when you're living in the river, you're growing. Imagine all of us growing in our understanding of God. Okay? Lastly, church. What would it look like in church? You know what I think it would look like in church? We, 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 would, we would have people serving. We have a ton of people who serve to make this service happen. But I know a lot of times we serve out of emptiness because we're tired and we haven't been filled. But imagine being refreshed. Imagine serving in a church, volunteering, but doing it out of an abundance, not an emptiness. Doing it because it's, it's just pouring out of you. God's refreshing is just pouring out of you. Imagine doing that. That's what life in the river looks like. And then lastly, what would it look like to live refreshed with your friends and family? So let's get really practical here. I believe that it would look like where we, we are living blessing other people. 
Would your friends and family, do they see you as a blessing to them? Or are you kind of a pain? Do you bless those around you? Not just like the once in a while, but just as a natural outcome of who you are. Imagine that, having more peace in your household, with your spouse, with your kids, with your brothers and sisters. Imagine more patience, less fighting, less yelling. I think a lot of that happens because we're sort of afraid. We're afraid at the edges. And so our fuse is really, really short. But imagine being refreshed. Things kind of don't get on your nerve as quickly as they used to. That's God working a miracle in you. So imagine this church body. Imagine your homes refreshed. That's what God wants to do in you, is he wants to refresh you. Refresh you from your labors. Refresh you from working really hard at being a good son, a good daughter, a good young. Wants to refresh you from being exhausted. So that, and that's that's kind of the promise of Ezekiel. If we come to him, he is the one who refreshes miraculously. Once he is refreshed miraculously, we turn around and bless practically. We can be like those trees. Imagine if the people who heard about River Life, imagine if we had developed the reputation of they are good for food and good for healing. Imagine if that's what if that's what your friends and your cousins and your nephews and uncles and aunts describe the church to be. They're good for healing and they're good for nourishment. That's what God desires for. God refreshes miraculously, and then we turn around and we bless practically. Let me close this in prayer. God, we thank you for the prophet Ezekiel. God, we thank you for the gift of this vision that you gave to him and that he gave to us of what it could look like for you to bring refreshment into the land. God, and so I I pray what you brought to that land, I pray that you bring to our souls. Bring those dry places, bring them back to life. God, let us bloom. Let us fill in abundance so that we are so filled with you, we just overflow blessings to those around us. That is an amazing promise, Lord, and it is something that only you do. We just have to come to you. Lord, so let us come to the river, live life in the river that represents the life that you give. So thank you, Lord. I pray this in um, Jesus Christ, our living water. Amen.